0: rumble hello again and welcome to another episode of a thousand and one by one where we take a film out of the wonderful book a thousand and one movies you must see before you die discuss it analyze it and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book my name is adam st john my name is ian woodington and this is going to be a fight to the
1: death this is gonna get real ugly folks. apparently
0: this is gonna get fucking nasty we are talking about funny games today, but before we do, we're gonna bring you some recommendations. Ian, do you mind if in this agitated
1: state I go first? Uh, please. Okay. I I how can I argue with a man who sounds like that?
0: Now, this is a movie I know that you've at least mentioned to me before, and it happened to be on Netflix, and I happened to watch it, and holy shit. I watched Green Room.
1: I'm so excited to hear what you think of this.
0: This movie
1: is insane! Um, that's that's Patrick Stewart, by the way, playing a neo-Nazi. Yeah, yeah, and he is goddamn terrifying from behind a locked door.
0: Now, here's the thing: this movie has it's a very very simple plot to, to describe. There's this band called the the aren't the ain't rights or the aren't rights. Um, there's a whole part where the the place they go to play spells their name wrong. But it's like this very grunge, under the radar band off of social media. They're just getting by. They have a van. They have to siphon gas. They're they're definitely not. They're not. They haven't made it yet, um, and they're or looking probably for, never will. Yeah, they're looking for gigs wherever they can get them. Uh, they they go to this one place to get interviewed. The gig they thought they had, they didn't. They had to play at like a restaurant. They made jack shit. They each made like seven bucks. They made some jack shit amount of money. But the guy who got them the gig feels really bad. He said, My cousin has a Basically, can get you a gig somewhere, um, somewhere else. And they go, where is it? And like, base. I think it's described as like boots and boots and camo type. Like, it's gonna get, you know, it's dicey. And basically, it was like, just don't, don't say anything you don't want to say. Play some of your earlier stuff, your heavy stuff, because it is essentially a neo-Nazi bar. That's where they're going. They decide to play some songs that basically like fuck you, Nazi punks. They basically are playing some stuff to. to At first to instigate the crowd a little bit, but then they end up, they, they, essentially the, the crowd seems to like them. What, what, what sends this movie into high gear is they go back to this green room and they've basically seen, they see a woman who was, who was stabbed in the head and they, they try to leave, they try to call the cops. And what happens is the band plus some of the bad people and this girl who uh, knew the woman who died are all stuck in the green room,
1: basically. Yeah, Um, they kind of like barricade themselves in there. Yes,
0: thus the the title of this movie. Um, And then they have to call in the... Well, the neo-Nazis working at the time have to call in Patrick Stewart, who plays, I believe his name is Darcy, in the movie and starts running the show.
1: And what a sort of sweet, sort of unassuming name to give this guy. And then it becomes basically a movie of survival.
0: Can this, can these four band members plus this one innocent woman get out of this room and escape? And this movie pulls no punches. It is, it is fucking brutal. You know, just how movie this brutal, just how brutal this movie is going to be when, um, I would say the, the bassist tries to give the gun back to Patrick Stewart and he puts his arm out of the door and like two or three, red laces. That's what they call them. The like young neo-Nazi punks basically obliterate his arm. I mean, it is when he bring when his arm comes back in the door, it is messed up. This movie is bloody. This movie is violent. It obviously has the topics of, of uh neo-Nazi and some very hate related um, issues, but God damn it. If it is not captivating and this sort of like adrenaline, like God, are they going to make it? Who's going to and And, I won't. I, I no spoilers. I won't say who does and doesn't
1: make it. But off of the premise of this movie, people die. A lot of people die in this movie. Um, and we should also give a shout out. It was one of the last films of Anton Yelchin, who died in that very very unfortunate accident. And again, a, a presence that who, I miss.
0: And you know, it's so funny because I, I clearly haven't seen enough of his movies. I really only know him as as Chekhov. I mean. I mean but oh, he's good in this, and like, and I don't. Here's the thing too. Besides, um, and I'm gonna. I don't know her name, but besides the the girl from Arrested Development, uh, oh, Aaliyah Aliyah Schwalcat. Thank you. Who played? Who played? He's, she's she's maybe on that. I don't. I don't know any of these actors' names, but holy shit, if they're not the band members, and then the 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 blonde woman who's in there too, uh, Imogen Poots, I think. Oh, is that who she, that is? Yeah. Okay. That's her. Oh my god. I I was. She is just so good. Every I I I honestly thought the 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 um. The character differences between all the band members, you know, and then, and then there's the, the neo-Nazi guy who it seems like he's just trying to not die himself and he, he's kind he kind of is alive at the end of it. I mean, it's. And you only get glimpses into these people, but I, I think it's it's a well written script. I mean, there's there is a, a huge sect of people who won't watch this movie because it is fucking vicious. But if you can stomach it, I I highly suggest watching this
1: movie. And as of the recording, it's on Netflix, so and well, and this is why I, I'm so excited about Jeremy Solnier. He also did Blue Ruin. Which and you've mentioned before. You watch I love Blue Ruin, and then he did this, and then he did the the other Netflix one, the Hold the Dark. Oh, that's okay. That's, that's him. Yeah, okay. and he also directed a few episodes of the new or the latest season of, of True Detective. Yeah, which is you mentioned that, but I forgot that he did hold the dark. Yeah. Yes, he he's a very exciting filmmaker. I cannot cannot wait for the next one.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's on the rise, definitely. So uh, Green Room is my intense recommendation um, for the week.
1: Ian, what do you what do you have? So, do you remember a while back where you you had to reel me in? when I was talking about Bohemian Rhapsody. This is eight episodes and episodes and episodes ago.
0: Unfortunately,
1: I remember this conversation. Yeah, okay. Well, you may have to do it again. Oh, uh, okay. All right. I, my recommendation this week is something on HBO. That, oh, that drop That dropped on HBO on May the 31st. Not what I thought you were going to say. It is something that I have been waiting 13 years for, Deadwood the Movie.
0: Well, can I just say what I thought you were going to say? I thought you were going to say Rocket Man. I thought you were going down the music you know, biopic. I, we
1: we almost we almost went and saw Rocket Man, and then we we bailed at the last second.
0: Okay, no, that, that's fine. I, I I just
1: I thought that's where you were going. Okay, no, that's I that's please go on. I dead with, the, with movie. the movie is haters gonna hate, but this thing is flawless. Okay, it is everything I wanted and everything I didn't know I want wanted from a film, you know that has been delayed and pushed off. I mean, there was a handshake agreement originally between David Milch. And the guy who was head of HBO at the time that they were going to, we're going to do two two-hour movies, you're going to get to wrap this thing up, maybe not the way that you wanted to, but we're going to give you something. And then as as history told us, it just languished. Yeah. Uh, funny to hear, I, I love all the, the stories that have been coming out now and in the interviews with people like Ian McShane and Timothy Oliphant and the, finding out that Oliphant was the holdout. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I The power that he had over this thing, I mean, this thing lived and died and he's like, he. It seemed like he reveled in it for a moment, like knowing knowing how much power because I don't know if you've ever seen him on talk shows. He's brilliant on Conan. Him and Conan have one of the best relationships. I seen it now. He is so hilarious every time he's on there. But like he's got that childish, kinda like mischievous look in his eye. I like just knowing that he had that kind of power. Anyway, so Dead with the movie, it picks up ten years after the last time we saw any of these characters thirteen years ago, and they're all Coming together, the, the people that are already there, they are obviously they never left. There's some people that have left and some people that didn't, but the people that left are coming back to celebrate um, the statehood of, of South Dakota and, you know, of course now Deadwood is going to be actually a part of the Union. And of course, uh, you haven't seen Deadwood, right? So I've, if I run I've off seen, some names... I've
0: seen the first season and having half of the second. Okay, so
1: towards the end of the second season, a character named George Hurst comes into it, and George Hurst was the father of William Randolph Hurst. Okay. He was a real guy, actually was a senator, junior senator for California, so he comes into the thing. He comes back after creating all kinds of havoc when he was there. He's obsessed with gold and, you know, just finding the color, as he calls it. Um... <laughs> Uh, I love gold. Jesus. The smell of it. You're just trying to antagonize him knowing what's coming. Um, But anyway, yes, he comes back and uh, causes even more havoc finding out that, um, you know, the woman that he thought was, again, I'm going to spoil it here for you a little bit. The woman that was delivered to him at the end of season three, the woman that tried to kill him was, was the Trixie character and they substitute in a different prostitute. Because of Al's Al Swarngen's, you know, sort of fatherly feelings towards her, and of course because she is now in a relationship with the Soul Star character, who is Bullock's partner, um. So he he figures out really quickly that oh shit they gave me the wrong girl. And so now that just he's just come back to town to wreak to wreck havoc, and of course he and Bullock have a very contentious relationship. Timothy Oliphant has some amazing moments in this thing he has so much work to do again he was between him and, and Ian McShane I mean they're the, the the shining stars of this piece and yeah. the way they carried that show they really have to do it again and they have so little time to do so much they have to address not only what's happened in the last 10 years and where these people are physically and emotionally and psychologically but they also have a really big story that they have to tell that takes place over just these three or four days and it is a monumental feat. Uh, considering news that has also come out about David Milch, um, they believe he may have um, it's either Parkinson's or Alzheimer's, something like that. I, I believe he is slipping into Alzheimer's, which is going to be such a huge loss. Yeah. To t- I mean, he is a television pioneer. He and YPD Blue. Mm-hmm. I mean, that movie, ch- that 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 TV show changed television, full stop. Yeah. Um, and it was the first show that ever said shit on, on network TV. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I, I, I could sit here all day and just talk about that. I, I laughed and I cried and I laughed while crying. I, it just, it was it was like uh, I think I've talked to you before about Train Spotting too. Yes, and the, yeah. sort of the catharsis that I felt while watching that is like going home and seeing all of it. And This was the same with Deadwood. Sure. For a while there, I was watching Deadwood end to end, like once a year, like five years in a row. I watched it end to end. Like I love these characters. I want to be a part of that living, breathing world, and to come back to that. It just it filled me with so much joy. I don't know how else to describe it. I just had a fucking blasty blast watching this thing. And I cannot wait to watch it. I'm probably going to end up watching this movie again tonight. There, the way that I'm go. talking about all it. Right. I just, I, it is perfect. And I have to just, I fall on my knees and just say thank you to HBO for finally making this thing happen. There you go. And this, this movie more than lives up to my expectations and all the hype. It's perfect. It is perfect. And there you have it. Um,
0: so uh, let's let's start talking about a movie that uh, uh, my, my cohort across the table does not think is perfect. And what, you, you don't know that. We are going to talk about whatever. We are going to talk about funny games. Uh, this movie is written and directed by Michael Haneke. Um, the stars in this movie are Susan Lothar, who plays Anna. Uh, Ulrich Mew, who plays Georg. Uh, we should just say right now that, that those two actually were um, a real married couple. Uh, before he passed away, and then uh, then she did too. Um, Arno Frisch plays Paul. Um, Frank Gehring plays Peter, who uh, also died. Uh, he died very young. Yeah, so he
1: died at thirty-eight
0: in yeah. twenty ten due to alcohol poisoning. Three of the four main stars of this movie are um, passed away pretty pretty young. Um, you know, comparatively, you know, nobody was very old when they when they died. Um, and then um, the only one I had what Stefan Klapchinski who plays Georgie but but basically it's those first four are the the people in this movie.
1: Well, and the the, the that that kid, he didn't really go on to do anything else. He he made, yeah. he made one other film after this yeah. and then kind of went back to normalcy.
0: So, um Michael Haneke doesn't have any other movies in the
1: book. Um but I I, I did pull out some because I've I've seen a fair amount of his movies. Well, he in previous editions he has. I I went looking for that cuz I could have sworn I saw him in there in an older edition, I uh, the piano teacher. Was in there in the second revision? Okay, and was was Not in a previous edition? I don't. I don't know. I, I I only have one that I did. I didn't look
0: through it. Um, but so now, just because we're talking about it, so was this the first time you'd seen Funny Games? Yes. Okay. Have you seen any other Michael Haneke movie? No. Okay. So this was my and I and okay and then.
1: Sort of uh, follow up question: Had you seen the the American re- Oh no, you haven't seen any of them. So you haven't. No, seen... No, I haven't. I haven't seen. I didn't bother. If I'm honest, I didn't okay. bother to watch the American remake because I know it's shot for shot. I mean, the house. I think it's even the same interior. It's very close. Is and it, so the, I've even seen the kid that they cast. It looks, looks very similar, remarkably yeah, yeah. like.
0: So I've seen both twice, um, just to put it out there. Um, the other Michael Haneke movies that I've seen are um, I have seen a more. I have seen the Piano Teacher which is oddly intense. Um, Isabelle Huppert, who's in that, was actually, I think originally offered the role of, of Anna and turned it down. And then I think later said that was a, she regrets not doing the movie. Um, And then obviously I this was a recommend from a while ago, but cache, which is just, Oh, it's so fucking good.
1: I put it on my
0: radar. It's what I will say about Michael Haneke is he is one who wants to elicit a strong response from his audience. Um, that's definitely an mo of his uh accolades not much
1: well i i've got that it lost the palm door yes so actually two different films there was a tie that year at, oh yeah at can so uh taste of cherry which is a kirostami film which and, is in the book yep and uh the eel uh an imamura film which i i know nothing about
0: yeah same here i got nothing yeah nothing um that was all i had yep.
1: oh well it also uh it, it lost something else Oh, it lost best film at the Chicago International Film Festival. It's funny enough, it actually lost it to Alan Rickman's first feature as a director called The, the Winner Guest, I don't think which I've had uh, Emma Thompson in it. Oh, yeah. I, I, do but, not know, I don't know that movie. But at that same film festival, he did win director. Oh, there you go. Do, do you have any critical things that you'd like to to read off or... I You know, I, f- I had a really difficult time finding critical reviews of the original. It's, it's mostly, when you go to search for funny games, you're going to get lambasted with just stuff about the remake, yeah. mostly. I mean, you really have to dig. So I
0: found um, a review by Stephen Holden, and God damn it, if I don't know what paper this is from. But this was for the original. Um, I'll, I'll just look up Stephen Holden and see who he where he where he wrote for. But um, so uh, the part of it that I um, highlighted was that Michael Haneke, the creator of Funny Games, has appended a director's statement to the movie's production notes, in which he talks loftily about the dissolving line between real existence and representation in movies and television, and the oscillation between the disconcerting feeling of taking part in a real happening and the emotional security of seeing only the depiction of an artificially created or even discovered reality. The realism of contemporary screen violence, along with its prevalence, he contends, has so thoroughly domesticated portrayals of violence in movies that it has left a mass audience anesthetized to the most shocking, unspeakable images. The problem is not how do I show violence, he writes, but how do I show the viewer his own position in relation to violence and its portrayal. Which is definitely what he's going for in this movie. The last thing accolade-wide, I guess I would say, is it's got a 67 on Rotten Tomatoes
1: um, with an 83 audience score. I also have the remakes as well. Oh, it's, it's I should, should look The remake has a 51 with a 54% audience, so proving that he did it better the first time and that the, the remake is probably... Now, I watched the trailer for it, not the actual film, and just based on... The, I, it seems totally unnecessary. Well, the, okay, so, okay. Um, the trailer, which I don't know why, but I, I watched as well. Is that the one with the? Dun, 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 yeah, it's got dun, 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 in the dun. Hall of the Mountain King, yeah. which it's very playful. which I, how how I guess he had nothing to do with the marketing because I, I can't he, imagine he, he would have approved that. I, I agree. The trailer agree. for the, the the U.S. one is very playful. It is
0: it is it is piss poorly handled. Mm. Um, and, and I and actually my introduction to Funny Games is the the U.S. version. That was the first one I saw. So you saw yeah okay so you yeah. saw that first yeah. Um. And I've seen both, and I've seen both recently. I watched both, kind of for the for the pod. Um, it's it is basically shot for
1: shot. But then something that I read, or actually, think I think. Uh, do you have the criterion for this? I, no, I don't no. have the criterion for either. But I did. Uh, I picked up on the cheap because it's the original streaming nowhere. Yeah, I I picked up uh, the old 2006 uh, Kino disc DVD. I picked that up really cheap on eBay. Nice. Um,
0: so Michael Haneke says something uh, in an interview on the Criterion version, which is I think is interesting. Is he 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 recognizes that the second one got criticized a lot for being a shot-for-shot shot remake, but he said something. You know, he goes, "Everybody criticized me for making this movie, but nobody asked me why I thought it was important to tell the movie tell the story again." Which I do think is interesting because. You know what he what he was trying to do back in 97 I think is still very relevant in, in in 07 when they made the next one but but even now I think it's still very much an issue of you know we are we are pretty complacent and okay with a lot of crazy dark violence stuff that happens in movies I mean Jesus green room there's a shitload of violence in that movie and I'm okay with watching it it's we- I, that's just that's how it is um before we launch too much into thoughts feelings analyzing it let's just Here we go. This is this is the movie. (laughs) Anna and and Georg go to their summer house with their son and um, two prim and proper looking teenage young men come in and basically take over the house and tell them that they have they're going to be alive for 12 hours. And that's the bet. Are you going to be alive 12 12 hours from now? And from that point on, insanity ensues. And um, a lot of stuff happens that ultimately doesn't lead to anything. Except for all three of our the the family that we're following, uh, their deaths, and then the the pattern's going to happen again. <laughs> so, uh, there you go. That's the plot. Now let's talk about the, the the big plot
1: details in this movie. The big the big things that we want to talk about before you jump in. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. I uh, got to kind of give the foundation of our work here a bit of a kick in the ass. Okay. Yeah. Specifically Ian, to Stephen J. Snyder. He's not happy. Um. So I made the stupid mistake of I don't know reading about it before in the book before I watched it and Schneider gives away the entire plot. He gives away everything. He tells you exactly what's going to happen and he gives away the ending. Which here's here's the thing. This book is called the 1001 movies you must see before you die. So, I mean, I know that on the podcast here we we go through and we are because we're analyzing it, we have to we have to spoil certain things. But I also sorry, keep going. I don't want to. But you should I I you you should be convincing me in this in the book you should be convincing me that it is something that I need to see before I die and not you know what I mean it's just it's it's that that blurb in particular shot itself in the foot sure I I no I agree um and it I, I'm gonna say that it definitely lessened the impact well
0: and what I and what I will say you know in regards to just our our podcast is I, I I probably subscribe to anywhere between eight and ten different film podcasts and if a movie comes up in their rotation that I haven't seen, I don't listen to it. I don't listen to it until I ultimately see the movie because I don't. I don't want that experience to happen to me, right? So, obviously, we want everybody to listen and then subscribe and, and all, to every single one of our episodes, regardless if you've seen it or not. But you know, if people like if people see this one pop up, Funny Games. Oh, I've, I've been meaning to see that, but I haven't. Sure, I get. Don't don't listen to it. I mean, this what's great is actually this conversation is part. You know, this this makes sense. You know, this is a movie that has a couple of really big twisty things in it. I mean, it's 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 one of those movies. I mean, Michael Hanke's is on record of actually saying this movie was kind of made in the tradition of Pulp Fiction and and Natural Born Killers. Not just in the it's it's approach to the violence, but also those movies again ha, kind of have twists in them. I mean, you'd hate to have somebody, you know, oh, you think Pulp Fiction's over at one point, but then there's, it kind of goes back and, oh, all this stuff happens in it. So that's, that's unfortunate because the first time that Melissa and I saw this movie, and granted it was, it was the American version. It's one of my favorite stories. So we were living in Bellingham and we were, uh, we were in bed watching it, laying back, totally just, you know, head on pillows watching the movie. And at some point halfway through the movie, I don't know when exactly it was, but I, I looked over at Melissa and at some point we had gone from lying down to sitting up. I don't know when that happened, but we we were physically so tense. The movie lifted us up out of lying down to like full focus. Like and at some point I realized we had done. I was like, When when the hell did we sit up? And she goes, Oh, I don't know. And that's sort of the, <laughs> the power that the movie had over us. And we and this is and this was the American version. This is the remake. Which I think is kind of a testament to the the story, of, of, of this movie,
1: and not necessarily the remake itself. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. And there are some differences between the two, and I don't have to. I, I won't have to. I don't have to spit them all out. But there are some some nitpicky differences between the two. Um, as they well, they
1: have a different cinematographer for a start, right? Uh, I believe the... it. Dari. I don't know. I don't have who who photographed uh, this one, but the uh, I think it's Darius Kanji who did the remake. Okay. Yeah,
0: I mean that, that that that's probably that's probably true, but but I don't mean I don't mean shot wise. I mean there's some, there's some plot development things that are they're minor, but so like for instance, when in this in the in the German version when um Peter knocks the phone into the sink, in this version it's very if you're looking it's very it's very intentional, whereas in the in the remake with um Naomi Watts it looks like it's an accident. It it's very much an accidental like oh god and you. You kind of buy that moment more. Uh, big credit to this movie, though. Um, Susan Lothar is... is I, I love Naomi Watts, but but Susan Lothar is phenomenally better in this movie than Naomi Watts is. And part of it is because from the get-go... So you know how um, the family pulls up to the the neighbors and like, hey, you got to help us launch. Naomi Watts is is hypercritical from the jump. And Susan Lothar is more like, huh, what? That was weird. Mm-hmm. She's more... she She's not... She's not expecting anything to be weird, until it gets weird. She, she's not. She's not on edge. She's not uh, questioning the guys so so quickly, and it, it helps. It helps ease you into the movie in, in the in the German version, which I think is a, I think is an important difference.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, it is. She is the best performance in the movie, hands down. And I, I do love the the slow build of her irritation, you know the scene with the eggs yeah it is it isn't just immediately she's irritated. I mean she's trying to give this guy the benefit of the doubt and it, it's just it's just really it feels like a very a lot of her decisions are very deliberate and they, they feel like she has really actually gone through and thought about her character and all the little character beats that she has to hit. yeah and again, I'm like you, I'm not gonna take anything away from Naomi Watts as an actress but not having seen. The U.S. remake and you saying that that does kind of make sense. Yeah, and
0: and it's not yeah, it's not that no one wants his bad in it, but it, that that there's a little thing that I think really helps in the German version. One thing that I appreciate about Michael Haneke that I I believe it was in the interview, um, he was talking about the the really long take after um, the sun has been shot, and so they they filmed it once, and he, he thought it was he thought it was pretty good, but you know he because he they basically he said can we can we do it again, and they said sure. And he knew early on in that second take that they, they it was too quick, you know, to, it was too quick to shoot it again after they did it. They weren't quite there, but he didn't want it stopped. So he finished that second take and he said, "Look, um, I want to do it one more time." And this is a very like theater thing, which I think he actually had a, a a slight theater background. He said, "Look, go in the green room, take as much time as you need. We're gonna go and we're gonna set up the shot. When you're ready, both of, this is this is to uh, Susan and um, and Ulrich, you come out and." You're not gonna say anything. We know, we know what's gonna happen. You basically get into places, and I'll say I'll say action, and then we'll go. Um, and then he, and then so Michael Hand goes out to his crew and it's like so I that he basically re- relates the same information. He goes they could be five minutes, they could be fifty minutes. I don't know, but we're gonna we're gonna set the shot. We're gonna be ready. And I want to say it was about twenty to twenty five minutes goes by, and they come out and they do. And the third take is what's in the movie. And I just kind of like that the the notes before the the action and then but letting it giving it time to seep in and I love that like nobody's gonna talk they're just gonna come in and do it and and that that scene is is it, it's really good and and it's funny because Ulrich which is actually he's in one of my he's in a really good movie too called The Lives of Others which was a recommendation on a podcast not too long ago
1: um and that, that, I believe that was his last film it was well. yeah. yeah he
0: was supposed to be actually he was supposed to be in um he I have not seen The White Ribbon, which is another Haneke film, which was up for Best Cinematography in a Foreign Film a few years ago. But the part of there was a part of a, of a, a pastor in the movie that he had written for Ulrich, but he had unfortunately died before they could film it. And his wife, um, Susan Lathar, is actually in The White Ribbon, and that was one of her last movies. And, she, and apparently Haneke was talking about she looks not well in the movie because she was still kind of reeling from – her husband's death is that I, I don't know why i bring that all up but but arnold frisch who plays uh paul i think um is the only one of that cast that's still left and and he you could tell he was very sentimental about everything that that you know i mean he's the only surviving member of that four-person cast so anyways that that long take right with with georg it's interesting because he hasn't done much in the movie and, and, and rightfully, you know, his knees been bashed and, and he's been basically crippled. He hasn't, and a lot of the stuff that happens hasn't been happening to him. You know, it's the wife that has to run. It's the wife that has to strip. It's the wife that tries to fight back and he doesn't, he doesn't get to do a lot, but his, his breakdown in that scene is fucking intense. And again, Tim Roth, great actor, does not get to that level in the remake.
1: That is Extremely surprising to hear. It's it, it's 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 not that it's bad, but
0: this oh my god, I it was crushing. I just was I I, <laughs> I was really torn up watching it, man. It,
1: it's the best. It's the best part of the movie. That ten minute take is astoundingly good. Yeah, it's perfect.
0: Although, and then you know, and again, a, a difference in, in the shot. And I, I sorry, listeners, and if you've seen both, you know what I'm talking about. But a very specific, brutal difference between those two shots is in in this version there's less blood on the wall but you can clearly see the the sun's like part of his head is like gone in the US version um the sun's head is like fallen behind the TV so you can't see it but that wall is like drenched in blood so it's it's like kind of pick your poison like which and it's two different it I think it elicits two different reactions because you can like I don't know what it is about seeing the, the, the blood versus seeing basically a caved in face. I they're I mean both horrific, but both still really evocative. So question for you. The first time he breaks the fourth wall.
1: Pissed me off immediately. <laughs> I fucking despise fourth wall breaks. Okay, so okay, now let's so the first time is the wink. Is the wink. Yes. And I went, Jesus. I out loud said Jesus Christ. Okay. Why? I'm I, I, I'm just I'm just curious. I'm not gonna defend it, I'm just I'm just curious. I gotta be so okay, here's the deal. I am extremely unsure of my opinion of this film, and I wanna tread very, very lightly <laughs> and pick my words very, very carefully. Okay. I think Michael Haneke is one of the most naive filmmakers working today. This is you having only seen one of his movies, having only seen one of his films. Okay. But if all if the rest of his films are like this, I'm going to say that for a man of his age, he is extremely naive. Okay. Um I understand the reasons for why he does pretty much everything he does in it the wink, especially, yes, that is supposed to draw us in and let us know that, hey, you are coming along on this ride and you are gonna be complicit in everything that you see. You yeah. you are essentially you are just as culpable for everything that happens in this film. Yes. Simply because you're watching it. Now, I I like the idea of having culpability. I love that you know, so when the Christchurch shooting happened earlier this year, the whole thing was on YouTube and so there is a culpability if you if you watch that footage, you know what I mean you you're a piece of shit essentially you're like you're a bad human being yeah like you nobody needs to see that. It doesn't need to happen one to begin with and you, and you don't need to see it but there's something I can't put my finger on when it happens in this film when when they they start down that path of fourth wall breaks that feels cheap to me. I don't. I don't need you to tell me that I'm complicit. I'm. I'm watching. The, I'm here. I'm watching the film. I know what my level of culpability is or not. And I just. There's something that he said in the in the interview that's on the Kino disc, and I don't know if it's repeated later on the on the Criterion one. But it's it's before he makes the U.S. remake. This is about 2005-2006. So it's before he's made the U.S. remake. Okay. And what he said again reinforces my opinion that he is naive and just irritated me to a to a degree that i can't vocalize here that i i can't find the words for uh if the film is successful then audiences don't understand it you fucking what now i that makes no sense like and what even is your your measure of success no now that sorry that that's that's a great he he does talk about that
0: I, and I I read that and he he mentions that too is I, I don't think he wanted this movie to be traditionally successful I I think I think it, it, what he he I think he wanted to, people to do what some of them did at, at Cannes which was to walk out he wanted people to have a very strong reaction to it how
1: nihilistic is that though I don't know I it's 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 so frustrating because what he's saying in this film is so important. I oh yeah, yeah. And I know. Sorry. I'm moving away now from the fourth wall break. That's fine. Thing. Yeah. But we'll come back to it because yes. we need to come it, back it, to well, it. Because it happens a few more times than we need to. Yeah. Um, sorry again for the dead arts. It's, it's, I have this all written down, but it's about trying to vocalize it correctly. Yeah. He, he talks about giving the audience several times in the film opportunities to leave. And I think the ten-minute take is is one of those. He feels like that's an opportunity for you to to get the fuck out. Um, if you keep this is what he said. If you keep watching, you need it, and if you turn it off, you don't. Therefore, that also like he is so full of like I said naivety, and he is so full of contradiction in what he's saying. Like he- this film, I'm sorry, this film needs to be successful. And it needs to be seen because if you really want to put the spotlight on, look at what you normally watch, which is another direct quote of his. Yeah. It, it needs It needs to have that success. You need to reach as many people as possible. I don't, I cannot fathom this nihilistic attitude, this sort of like, oh, you know, I need to provoke a reaction. It's just that it's very, it feels like me when I was 17, that was the attitude that I had. I want to provoke a reaction and I want to piss people off. Sure, I, oh, it's well. and it's there's, a childish mentality.
0: There are some other things that he said about you know making this movie in in terms of of it being a, he he actually said like a traditional American thriller and these these tropes about these things that you that you can't do or that should happen and that he breaks he does he breaks three of them and and he he might have done more but I know the ones that he mentioned were you don't kill you don't kill animals you don't kill children and the heroes have to make it out. And obviously the dog dies pretty early on. Uh, the, the son gets shot and it basically happens off screen. Then we're, and then we're left to deal with the aftermath of it,
1: which again, I think is, I think is a good choice. That That is fantastic. That is part um, of the reason why I think this film needs to be seen. But then the other way he talks, about, so, so there's, there's,
0: there's another, there's another fourth wall break where he's basically lying, laying out that, you know, we bet that, in 12 hours you'll be dead and your bet that you'll be alive. And he turns to the audience like, what do you think you're on their sides? Aren't you? And if you want to talk about that one, it's like, we can, but what I'm, what I'm getting to is um, the, I think it's the next break, which is when Anna actually shoots Peter. And then Paul grabs the remote, rewinds the moment so that he can stop it from, from ever happening. That is the point that which I almost turned it off. Okay. And, and so, 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 and, and that, so I just want to finish that thought, just that that's, that's the, the next thing he, and he said, cause I think apparently at, at, at the festival at, at Cannes, people, the people who were there cheered that moment because in a way you're right. We are, as, as, as he says earlier on in the fourth, in the fourth wall break, you're on their sides, aren't you? Well, in a way, of course, traditionally they are the heroes. You want them to succeed. And so when that moment gets taken away, that's a tough, that's a tough beat. And it's hard to have. It's hard not to have an extreme feeling one way or the other about it. All, what I can say for certain is it's a bold choice to
1: make, to just rewind the moment and have it keep going. Well, and to, and to, to further to further that, I mean, he talked about that. He wants you to cheer, and then he wants you to be left with, oh, I just cheered for a murder. Like, uh, no, we just cheered for justice. That man shot her son in the fucking head. I'm sorry. There is so much naivety in that statement. Like, does, does he not like justice? I I don't know. I, I don't know the man. I can't say for sure, but it's such a bullshit response. Yeah. And it is such.
0: Well, and, and I had, I, you know, one of my biggest issues, not with the movie, but with the fact that there are essentially two versions of this movie is he said that the reason that, you know, we needed to make to, to make it again was because it seemed like it was an issue that still needed exploring. And while I agree with that as a concept, does it need to be shot for shot like like and, and I guess my w- w- what I mean by that is I, I pick what, what's what's a what's a really pivotal movie that you've seen in the last 15 years. That, that was like, that, that like really made some, you made you ask some big questions.
1: Oh, like of uh, myself morally. Sure. Whatever. Uh, probably gone, baby gone. Okay, great.
0: So let's say 20 years from now, somebody remakes it, but they, they do a shot for shot remake. Now their, their whole reason behind it is it's still an issue. It's still really, it's relevant and we wanted it to do it, but essentially it's the same movie. Instead pointless. of I wouldn't watch it. Instead of a unique, a different interpretation of it, and I think the the issue is, you know, and actually just kind of referencing the, the last episode that we we talked about with Manchurian Candidate, the Manchurian Candidate remake I use in air quotes is not necessarily it's not a remake. It, it's the book is the source material still, but it is not the same. It, it's it's changed things and yet is still addressing the same the same issues but frankenheimer and demi are totally different directors with totally different points of view i think the problem with not just the german version but the english version is that it's the same director the same and i mean i mean the shot as much as it can be is the same i mean granted they're set one's in austria and one is in i want to you got to guess upstate new york somewhere but these are essentially like the the shots are the same and are you really re-examining the same topic if your focus, or at least visually, seems to be recreating these shots exactly the way that they happened before? And and I gotta cry foul at that. Don't say that you're re-examining the same issue if what we're gonna see is the exact same thing. I I, I it can still be a home invasion. It can you can even still break the fourth wall if you want to, but the shot selection it's 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 too it's too specific and i actually think somebody's done not the whole movie but there are chunks of both versions you can like watch on youtube that split it down the middle and you're like wow this really is the same goddamn movie and that's i can understand a lot of americans wanting to just watch the american version because there's names that you recognize and you don't got to read subtitles and because essentially they are the same movie i can't say no 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 watch the german one even though i think you should watch the german one I I have more fault with the reason for making the second one.
1: Well, I think, and I was trying to justify it in my own head, because he is looking at Western cinema specifically. Oh, very much so. And I mean that's not so. Have, have you seen much Asian cinema? Some of that shit is batshit crazy and violent as fucking hell. I can't wait to get to Old Boy. Yeah, Old Boy is. Ah, yeah. <laughs> You've seen Old Boy. Oh, oh fuck! Oh, I've I seen it. I yeah. love Old Boy. I love it. I've so I've seen the whole. God. What
0: is it? The Oh, did you see the Spike one? The Vengeance. No, I know. I mean, I just meant the. Uh, what is what like Oh, the, the Vengeance, vengeance trilogy. trilogy. Yeah. Lady,
1: what is it? Lady. It's Lady Vengeance and, and- sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah anyways. Anyways, yeah. um, I in my own head trying to justify why you'd remake it. Okay, make it with an English. Make it in English, with you know. I mean, I can't say they're American. Neither of them are American, but I think he was wanting it to hit home further. So, if these people are of your your race or your nationality, or they speak the same language that you speak, then maybe you can identify with them a little bit more. But the issue is, is that he doesn't. Again, it's it's so contradictory. He doesn't want us to identify with them. I don't think. With the family, or the sorry, with, the... with anybody. Okay he wants us to yes he wants us to pick a side
0: yeah there were there was a the the essay that's included with the criterion talks a lot about you know reference that references that quote you know you're on their side aren't you when he breaks the fourth wall and the essay actually contradicts that fact says no we i think we're are we actually on the side of the of the the two the two young men um which i don't again i don't i don't
1: agree with that either um I don't know, I, and it's, I don't think you can be a decent human being and be on their side. No, they I, are cut and dry psychopaths. I I agree.
0: Um, although I think the essay does go on to say something, I, I, which I agree with, and I think is really interesting, is that the the family is very much in a very, a very serious drama, but the two men are in this sort of sur- surreal like like this strindberg play like it's like it's everything is
1: not quite the way that it should be well yeah that's a, that's another quote from haneke he said yes that they are in a drama the other two are in a comedy and now you're stuck in the middle which is actually which is it's funny too
0: because because uh just because it's it's they're they're german and and i don't know if you know do you know brecht bertolt brecht is a, is a german theater guy playwright and he's it's actually a sort of brechtian theater it's this very breaking the fourth wall um theater where there's a lot of direct address to the audience and so whether or not it's because he's german is maybe really a stretch but i think it's interesting that, that that this movie which is shot in austria but very german german produced michael haneke and all them um the fact that it's it's got this brechtian german influence i think is i think is interesting I'm dropping some stupid theater nerd knowledge <laughs> under there. It's,
1: it's all good i like it <laughs> okay so
0: i mean those are the i mean the breaking the fourth wall stuff is, is really huge and the remote control is is and I, I, I it, it it's infuriating, but again, I think obviously that's what he's going for. To what to whatever level of success or irritation it happens, that that's he's definitely wanting to to, to piss you off with that. Oh, um, oh and he did. So but we but we did mention the long take after on um, the Sun and I think I agree, that's probably my favorite scene of the movie too um but i'm wondering if there are any other moments that stuck with you in a a non-irritating way almost none
1: (laughs) almost none (laughs) i just i can't oh i can't stop talking shit about michael Okay, he has has such a black and white worldview this is not that that kind of the sentiment that's not how the world works okay so but you okay but you have okay you have homework you you have to you have to watch Cache. Oh you no! Know, I it's like I said, it's very firmly on my radar. I want to see it,
0: but but do it sooner than later because we need to fit. We need to finish. Like, I get I get how you feel about Michael Haneke based off of just seeing this movie and the movies that I've seen outside of this that aren't cachet. I I, I enjoy a, a More is a tough movie about watching an older couple. Uh, half of them slip into dementia, and it, it's it's a tough watch on that front. Um, and the piano teacher. It's just it's an, it's insane. It is Isabel Huppert gives one of the most committed but disturbing performances I've I've ever seen. But Cachet, it just it's so it's such a slow burn, but it's so unique and I, oh my god, I just couldn't I still like. I watched it so long ago now, but it's still just like up there. It's. I try to any movie that's that's moved me that much. I want to own and I don't own it yet. And it kind of. It's actually kind of eating at me that I don't own a copy of that movie. It's. It's one of those. I I, is I it in the criteria. No, it's not. But I fucking hope. Yeah. I hope it's Is, it is does. that kind of what you're holding out for? Oh my god. Well, that and it, it was one of those. It, it's not on Blu-ray or at least not domestically, and so you have to get a DVD, and it's not. It's 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 an obscure foreign film. Like you have to buy it used for like forty bucks. I'm like fuck that. I'm not buying that movie for forty bucks. I got I only saw it because I got it through net when I was still doing the disc version of Netflix. Oh rant about Michael Haneke. Anyways, um,
1: I just I feel like he's going for. I don't know man. With with what he's trying to say, I think it's important, and I want the film to be better in order to get this message across. I want this film to be successful. This movie needs to be successful and it needs to be seen, but he's going for, with his attitude at least, he's going for the lowest common denominator as far as I think the people he's trying to reach when he says, look at what you normally watch, because I, we don't, it's the whole idea of, and I remember dealing with this so much as a kid because I went from one household, which was so stringent about everything I watched, and and holding and sort of like holding back my sort of viewing experience and no 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 you can't see that it's going to warp your mind it's going to make you i remember hearing the word desensitized a lot mm-hmm. as a kid in the 90s and then i went from another i went to another household where i could watch whatever the hell i wanted sure and of course found some things that i probably shouldn't have watched That's at fair. such a young age yeah. i.e the exorcist yeah which i saw mine was a, mine at, was a clockwork orange yeah exactly yeah. how old were you saw a clockwork <laughs> Probably thirteen. Yeah, not a movie a thirteen year old should watch. No. But think, oh man, I just the 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 audience that I think he's aiming for either one won't see it, two they will and not get it, or three they won't care. Yeah, you know, I mean, and he, that, I he's not that, changing anybody's worldview with this thing, he, which it needs to. He talks and it about can't get there. He
0: talks about this movie kind of taking on a cult status. You know that it's become this. Which is what he didn't want. No, exactly. And he and he and he 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 says that too. But yeah, this is a movie that not not bro. I would okay, film bros would I think would really enjoy because it make it's gonna make them like well, let's watch this movie. It's really deep, man. It's about violence and desensitization, but it's also about like are we complicit in the act? It's something that's gonna make somebody sound really smart if if they if they explain to somebody who hasn't seen it, but they're not really gonna. Gleaned what they should have from the movie, and and I agree. I mean, this is an important subject matter, and I, and I do think that it, it is a movie that should be seen more. It, it's it's funny. I, I I think I I applaud the boldness of it more than I maybe more than I enjoy it. But it's weird because I still remember the first time I watched the 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 American one and just how. I had the opposite effect that you did. I, I the the fourth wall breaking actually pulled me in more than it pushed me away.
1: The thing is is that I think I don't need it. Sure, but but then I, I again, feel it's talking but, it's talking down to me as an, the one thing I hate more than anything in the goddamn world is being talked down to. Oh, see, I now now and that's what that's what it's doing. I
0: forget where we were recently, but oh, thin blue line. Um, I think now I think now we're just at a point where the things are hitting us differently because I didn't feel talked down to with that. I thought we were, we were intentionally kind of being let in on the secret with these guys that, and, and I think not the, the wink, but the first time he says you're on their side, aren't you? You should almost know that this family isn't going to get it. And, 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 and then again, when, when she, when she shoots him with the shotgun, there is a moment of, Oh my, yeah. Okay. And then, Oh, Oh, they took it away from me, which, of course, is what he was trying to do. Um, And even the other kind of tropes, you know, that that ni- that sharp knife that gets on the boat that intentionally gets. Ign- I mean, not ignored, but, you know, you think maybe it's that gl- that, that glimpse, that glimpse of hope. And then it's just taken away.
1: And, I, and again, it's the way and, they just they shove her it. over yeah, the boat that I was so. I was so sad about that. After everything this woman has been through, and then you just throw her away, just throw her off the boat. I know. Again, yes, I know. <laughs> everything in this movie is so goddamn deliberate, <laughs> but it doesn't make it right. I got a question
0: for you. Just in, in the in the in the in the world of the movie, for what it is, how long do you think these guys have been doing this? Or, or it, I hope your response is I don't care. But my response is I don't like, care. Fuck! God damn it. But okay but well this answer is, my not, goddamn this is question. not this is not the first time uh, no i well of course i mean it wasn't the first time that day yeah um but i mean but but i mean is it is this more of a summer thing is this something that they've been doing for a couple of years i, you, I think i because obviously the the stare into the camera at the end is is just a way of saying oh, i think it says two things i think it says gotcha and i also think it says you know what's going to happen next you know where you know exactly where this is going um, I just—that was the thought I had
1: towards the was—is is, you know—it's well, the idea of, of this thing perpetuating, and that's I again it comes back to his nihilism that nothing is going to change, and the fact it it almost invalidates the reason for making the film in the to, to begin with. <laughs> that's a bold statement. Maybe that's the hot take from this episode. I don't know. I don't know, man. I I don't know, man. I just I just I just can't even with his naivety. I just cannot.
0: What I wonder if, if it's if it's if it's your thoughts about Haneke in general or just about his th- your thoughts on him with this movie because I gotta say and I I want I i can not say that I'm a Haneke expert I've only seen what, like three four? three of his other movies yeah. yeah but I will say that they're not none of them are like this you know and, and not just in the sense of nobody breaks the fourth wall you know and there's there's not that kind of like you're in on the on the secret sort of nudge nudge but oh man i mean i think you would okay i would i would think that you like you would like a more i think that you would probably like the piano teacher more than a more and i i i i would be surprised if you didn't like cachet and i realize i'm i'm putting this on a very high pedestal and that maybe it might crush your dreams if like it might just not you might, oh that was fine but i hope it doesn't but I, his, the films I've seen of his seem to be totally different. But what's funny, and I haven't seen anything before Funny Games, but it sounds like the movies he made before this were were kind of also.
1: Yeah, he's known as a button pusher.
0: Yes, and, and not just a button pusher, but also like hot topic, like this is oh this is a, this is an important thing to talk about, v- versus these other movies which are just really interesting. All, all those other movies that, I, that, that, I, that I've seen that happen after this are just really interesting stories that I, I, I just think are, are are very captivating
1: to watch in a different kind of way that I think this is captivating to watch. Would you like me to say some positive things now with that, with that bright in your day? It, it, only if they're true. They, no, they are true. Okay. I love the... And again, it's another contradiction, so again, I'm going to give you a backhanded compliment.
0: Me or Michael Haneke?
1: You know... <laughs> Uh, I, I appreciate the lack of style, which in itself is adding some sort of stylistic flourish to the film by not having style is a, is a, it's an interesting contradiction. Um, I love how much of the violence we don't see. Yes. And again, that's, I think that's, that was a I love direct, we, we don't see her naked. We don't see the boy getting shot. We just have to deal with the aftermath of it. Yep. Um, we don't see the husband get shot. No, we don't see that either. And um, even the even the 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 one big moment of violence we do see again it gets taken away from us.
0: Yes. No, exactly. And uh even when he gets hit with the club, the way that it's shot, you don't see it. Yeah, no, you don't really see the impact.
1: The the golf
0: club comes actually down like in front of his face in the shot and then when it cuts to the next the next shot, it's just him falling to the ground. I mean it's very much it's very much Marvin getting shot in the face and and the the needle going in. We see the aftermaths, but we don't see the direct violence that
1: that it is. Which which makes me wonder. I think he had as much as he this film was made almost my understanding is made almost in a direct response to maybe not Tarantino specifically, but the people coming out of that same sort of Tarantino camp. Yes. And, you know, the, the types of movies in the stylistic way, and the hyper-realistic way that they were making violent films. And so I almost have to assume that he – there must be part of Haneke that admires him, that oh, I admires think Tarantino. He he directly – in an interview, I think it was like a
0: 2010 interview with Haneke on The Criterion, he directly references Pulp Fiction and Natural Born Killers as movies that were – I don't want to say – inspired this but that definitely gave some kind of frame of mind as to what he was sort of um
1: responding to i just i just want to know what his if this film didn't go the way that he wanted it to if it achieved a level of quote-unquote success that he didn't want it to reach and if it has achieved this cult status I, i want to know what what he wanted the end game to be what he wanted the end result and and how he would have rather have had this thing play out I just again I keep butting up against that wall of I don't want it to be successful. Anyway, here's the deal. I'm here's the long and short of it. I am not trying to be stubborn. It's okay if you were. I, I you know, I've regardless of how I feel about Michael Haneke, which we've we've I think we've tread that ground enough. I want to get to the point of I do think this film needs to be seen. I think it should be in the book. I think as many people as possible should see it, despite what he wants or doesn't want. I agree. But and, and it's funny, the the reasons why I want it to be seen maybe aren't for the same reasons that he wants it to be seen. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's it's such a weird contradiction. Here's here's the thing. I got so excited despite the fact that a lot of my response to this thing was negative and it made me angry. It elicited a response which is exactly what he wanted. Uh, yeah. I yeah. played, I played beautifully into his hands. Was it, I gave were you him
0: part of his funny games.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. You fucker. You stole that line. From ah! me. I was getting there. I was getting there. You bastard. I'm um, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I, like I said I played beautifully into his hands and if he's in, if he had been in the room, I would have given him probably exactly what he wanted other than, you know, not turning it off because apparently I need it because I finished it, which yeah. fuck you asshole. Don't tell me what I do and do not need. But uh, what? Well, well yeah, anyway, that's 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 the long and short of it. That's that's what I was trying to get to. I'm I'm excited by the type of reaction that it elicited from me because the worst thing in the world a film can do is is nothing. Is make you feel nothing. Yeah. I get to the end of so many films and be like, Yeah, I don't care. I whether I saw that or not, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Whether I think I think people when they have a negative reaction to a film, when something makes them angry, I think they automatically associate that with being a bad film, which is not the right way to approach that. It made you feel something; therefore, it is art. Can I can I give you a really obscure um, example of that? You ever
0: seen Have you ever seen Blue Sky? It's 1994. Um, I don't know who directed it, but it's it's a Tommy Lee Jones, um, Jessica Lange movie. It's what she won Best Actress for in 1994. And this is during a time where I was trying to watch a lot of award winners from around that time, and I'd, I'd never seen it. It was on streaming somewhere. Turned it on late one night, and she is Tommy Lee Jones is in the army, and she's um, a very outgoing, um, very flirty wife. And she has some um, extramarital stuff that happen with Powers Booth. She does a lot of stuff that ruins Tommy Lee Jones's career. I mean, she makes a lot of piss poor decisions and at times doesn't care and, it, and it at times is remorseful and I remember hating her in the movie like I I just was so pissed at what she was doing and I I watched it and I was kind of I went to sleep angry and I woke up and I was still kind of thinking about it and I realized oh shit this really worked
1: you, That did exactly it what did, it needed and, to do and,
0: and and she played it beautifully I mean she played somebody who I I questioned her decisions I don't know if I don't know if I really liked her, but it certainly got me to think about it a lot. And while the movie itself is okay, it's not bad, but she's apparently really good in it because she—it made me really stop and, and ask a lot of questions. And I think that's the point—is—is is to yeah, spark. isn't that great when yeah. you can
1: have that? Like we get it so rarely with films because everything is just carbon copies, or it's the next in a franchise, yeah. or it's 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 fluff. It's nothing. It's a distraction yeah and those have their place don't get me wrong i mean i love the mission impossible movies. everybody
0: needs a con air
1: yeah fucking a yeah uh but what did i say i said last week about janet lee in in manchurian candidate that nothing useless can be truly beautiful well i'll circle back now and, and flip-flop that with this it it is useful it has its purpose and, and, and therefore, as I said, because it, regardless of what kind of reaction it got out of me, negative or positive, it still got that reaction. It got what it wanted. And therefore this makes it, I I, there is part of me inside that is screaming saying, don't you say this, don't you give it that much credit, but this is high art. There Oh, there you go. So there you go, Michael Haneke. Take that for whatever you want. Well, you I, fucker.
0: I, I definitely think it should be in the book too. And, um. For, for similar but different reasons than my my pal across the table over here um who is seething yeah, yeah seething but what I will say is um and I, I think it should be in the book however um i I would I, I would easily replace this with cachet and so whenever the time comes is that you watch it we might have to make a definitive a thousand and one by one podcast uh, choice to uh, even though funny games is good to possibly replace it with cachet.
1: That that would be exciting. My thoughts. I um, better I better track that down. But
0: uh, but those are our thoughts on Funny Games. Um, and Michael Haneke. And we want to know what you think. Um, if you've seen Funny Games and if you like it, and if this has inspired you to watch it, what you think about it, and any other Michael Haneke films that you've seen. So you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. We will respond to you. Uh, we always love engaging in conversations with you guys. If you're listening, you're probably listening on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play. Um. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, all the things that you can do. Um, you can like our Podomatic uh, feed as well. You can give us likes and things on Twitter and on Facebook. You know, Any kind of recommendation is great. Um, we, we enjoy doing this and we, we love hearing what you think about it. Um, well, until next time, Hi. I'm Adam. I am Ian. And we will see you next week.